You're listening to an IOE podcast. Powered by UCL Minds. This is Research for the Real World. Conversations with researchers about the paths they've taken to shape our everyday lives. Research for the Real World. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Eathwaite and I'm a Senior Research Fellow at the UCL Centre for Education Policy and Equalising Opportunities, also known as CPO, at IOE UCL's Faculty of Education and Society. In this season of Research for the Real World, we're going to be exploring the myriad of ways IOE has established research-led relationships across London. We'll be diving into rigorous research innovative solutions to tackle complex challenges in our capital. So on this episode, I'm delighted to be talking to Dr. Jake Anders and Dr. Asma Benhender, who I also happen to work with at CPO. Jake is an Associate Professor of Quantitative Social Science and is also the CPO Deputy Director. Jake's research focuses on the causes and consequences of educational inequality and the evaluation of policies and programmes aimed at reducing them. He's also worked with multiple UK government departments, such as work for the Department for Business Innovation and Skills into the transition from education into work, as well as with the Education Endowment Foundation and other third sector organisations, including the West London Zone, which we'll be talking about today. He's also Principal Investigator on a UKRI ESRC COVID Social Mobility and Opportunity Study, also known as COSMO, with the Sutton Trust. Asma is a research fellow also in CPO and her research focuses on education and labour economics. She completed her PhD at the Paris School of Economics in 2019 on teacher quality and retention and she was also a visiting scholar at Columbia University and UC Berkeley in the USA. Asma is currently leading on a project funded by the Nuffield Foundation looking at inequalities in special educational needs provision and outcomes before and during the COVID-19 pandemic as well as working with the West London Zone project. So Jake, Asma, welcome to the podcast. Before we delve more into your current work with the West London Zone, we'd love to know more about you both and how you got into educational research. How about we start with you, Jake? Hi, Laura. Thanks very much. Yeah, so I've been in academia for getting on for 10 years now, I guess, including my PhD. It's something I got into because I... You know, I'm really interested in in the policy issues that that I am in, engaging in. While I was an undergraduate student, I became quite involved in uh, like action around widening access to uh, universities and doing some of the kind of outreach activities and and things as part of that. And it got me thinking, you know, how much of this is working? How can we make it work better? I want to understand these issues a bit more. And that was what spurred me to do my PhD, which was was focusing on on those issues. And, you know, it's kind of spiraled from there, really. Excellent. How about you, Asma? Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having us uh, today. Yeah, I think the the baseline motivation for doing research and ed- policy in ed- on education is also the the strong interest I have in policy issues. I was, I think, attracted to the I was been like attracted to the question of economic inequalities and social justice in general, and I th- quite early realized that the issue of education is the key to all these issues of inequalities. 
And that's why I, I thought that if to make an impact on the issue of inequalities, the most uh, important question to address is the question of educational inequalities. And that led me to, to do a lot of projects as an undergrad, like I was working as a research assistant quite early as an undergrad student and then grad student on topics which were related to, for example, social segregation, school segregation in the Paris area where I am from. So working also in London is also quite interesting because I think even more than Paris, which Paris is already the, was already the case, but even more than Paris, London is also a really good field to analyze the issues of inequalities and, just, and social justice because it's such a diverse and complex city when you have the two extremes, basically, the extremely rich and the extremely poor together. And that's why it makes it such an interesting city to, to work in from like a inequality and social justice angle. And that, for example, one of the questions I'm also involved in with respect to um, the London context is uh, teacher retention in London, which is a very uh, complex and salient issue at the moment because teacher retention in London is extremely low, like it's relatively low compared to other cities. And there is uh, an issue of teacher high teacher turnover in London schools. And for example, I'm involved in the Hammersmith and City Fulham Teaching Commission to address and to try to find solutions on how to increase teacher retention uh, in disadvantaged area. So here, Hammersmith and Fulham is also part of uh, is is also in West London. That's great, and you know, it's great to hear how you're you know you're bringing your passions and excitements that you know that you'd ha- both had in your previous experience as a PhD student to your work in London today. Jake, just to ask you as well, what does London as a city mean to you? Well, I've worked in London throughout my whole career. It's, you know, an amazing city. It is truly a world city and, you know, with institutions like UCL and others, it's, you know, such a magnet for fantastic research and culture and all sorts of different things. You know, difficult not to want to be part of that. Absolutely, I agree. So one of the fantastic projects that you are working on is this West London Zone project. Could you tell us a little bit more about the early intervention programme and what you're aiming to achieve with your project with them? West London Zone is like a charity that aims at reducing inequalities and supporting pupils from disadvantaged areas in London and especially in in a specific area in London which they call West London Dawn, which is around, I think it's around like Ladbroke Grove, approximately this, this area. And they aim to do that. They try to have a comprehensive approach when they both provide academic, but also like emotional uh, support to these disadvantaged pupils by having uh, t- personal tutors, like what they call uh, link workers, who are giving them some personal tutoring. It will be both like academic and more like some form of emotional mentoring and they work with a lot of partners that's why it's, they are really integrated into the into, into the geographically into the schools because these link workers are based in the schools and then they have external partners who also intervene to support these pupils and the aim is to give them better academic achievements but also they also measure the socio-emotional well-being. So that's, that's, that's the particularity of this intervention is that the two main particularities is that first, 
it, it addresses both academic and social achievement. And the second aspect is like they are really integrated within the, the schools and the, and the area. And they work with a lot of local charities and local partners. And so, yeah, to build on that in terms of why we're interested in and working with them, we saw this opportunity from West London Zone. It was an opportunity they uh, kind of put out there uh, to to work with them. They were looking for an evaluation partner that they could team up with. And we thought that, you know, the work they're doing is really interested. There's some academic literature out there on particularly focused geographical sort of place-based interventions like this that integrate lots of different kinds of uh, support and are really embedded within the local community. And we thought, you know, this is really interesting and something that we would be keen to, to work on and, and be part of. And and we made our application and were lucky enough to be the organisation that West London Zone chose to to work with. And that was literally sort of, we agreed to start work on this about a week or two before COVID-19 restrictions began. So we'd only met them in person once. We went for, you know, an initial meeting and then uh, then COVID-19 began. And so it's all been a lot more virtual since then, but and in, you know, a, a difficult circumstance in which to build a relationship and and build up what we're doing but hopefully that is something that we're you know getting through at the moment. Yeah COVID really has uh, brought a lot of challenges for everyone. I guess to our listeners like is there any kind of advice that you'd give in terms of working with non-academic partners in this kind of way? So I think it's challenge in terms of, you know, we come at this with a particular perspective of evaluation and, you know, what we see as the things that need to be done in order to, to answer particular questions. And and they're not always directly aligned with what the organisation needs now, right? And, you know, they, they are interested in in answering those questions, but they have to consider, you know, what they need in order to continue growing and progressing and building and strengthening their approach as as an organisation. And so making sure early on, you all have a really good shared understanding of what everyone's trying to get out of the, the process. Things, you know, just work a bit differently between different organisations. There are different priorities at different moments and really having a good clear communications plan and and plan of of what exactly is going to unfold over the course of the project you know at what point will we be able to start you know building and answering questions that they are interested in it's not always immediately is really important to make sure that yeah everyone's on the same page and and you've got a good strong relationship to do the work based on Exciting. So it sounds like there's going to be lots of important lessons that come through this project, particularly that, you know, given that you're, you know, co-designing and co-working with your partners in West London. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you would go about doing such an evaluation? Yeah, so this evaluation has two big parts of, of it, as it were, a more impact focused one, which is the side of it that asthma and I are more directly working on and a more process and implementation side of, of it, which is uh, being led by our friends and colleagues in the Helen Hamlin Centre for Pedagogy, Professor Dominic Wise and uh, Dr. Jana Manukina. So they would talk at much more length and eloquence about all the parts of, of what they're doing as, as part of the process evaluation. So I, I won't sort of try and put words in their, their mouth, but it's been, you know, a, 
a central part of our approach that this evaluation does include both parts of both these different kinds of evaluation. We're focused, I suppose, you know, as I say, more quantitatively. We're trying to to look at the impact of the evaluation on the young people involved as as best we can by collecting uh, information about their academic and performance, their confidence, things like that, using measures that that West London Zone use, and then comparing that to a, a, a comparison group that we've helped them to create in order to to yeah have a, a fair comparison about uh, what we're looking at when we when we come to, to looking at, at outcomes but in order to understand how to build a comparison group like that you have to understand the processes by which young people are becoming you know are, are being recruited onto the program taking part in the the west london zone program and and getting a link worker and all all of the you know, potentially multifaceted things that, that that are part of it. And the implementation process side of things has been, you know, a, a really invaluable part of this in terms of building understanding of that, for, for example. That's just kind of one particular example of how those two sides of the evaluation are talking to each other and, and linking up and, and helping make sure that we have a really strong understanding of what the, the programme is, is trying to achieve and how it seems to be doing what it's doing. Excellent. Is there anything you'd like to add on about your experiences on this project, Asma? Yeah, I think the point Jake made about, I think what the, one of the positive aspects, uh, what the very interesting aspect of working with West London Zone is the West London Zone program is that they're really data oriented. I think that that's a very good aspect of their organization that made it easier for us to work with because they take data seriously and we had a lot of back and forth during the period when we were constructing the control group about specific variables. So it was quite technical discussion that I think my, my past experience with other type of organization was maybe not as evidence-led at this organization. I think that's that's a very positive aspect of this was that they, they, they quite data, uh, data and evidence-led organization, which for me was, was quite good and aware of the limitation of data collection and the challenges of, of good data collection, especially during COVID, which made it even more difficult, as you can imagine. Oh, absolutely. So this is very much like ongoing work. So I appreciate you can't necessarily, you know, share the, the findings with us at the moment. But where do you envision this project going next or what can its contributions be to the wider community in London and maybe even beyond? So, yeah, this is designed very much as a as a multi-year programme. We'll, we'll be working with West London Zone until at least sort of 2024, looking over a, a few different uh, cohorts of young people who engage with their uh, early intervention programme uh, over that time. So we won't be kind of sharing too much until we're building up the picture of, of, of what we want and, and doing the, the things that we've planned to do from the outset so we understand uh, and are getting a, a good appropriate picture of the, the programme that good to share with, with the world. It's, you know, th- this is... This is work that is funded by West London Zone, and they uh, obviously care about the the findings. But it's uh, a research project, and it's important that it has wider findings and importance for the research and third sector and so on communities more more broadly. And we hope that this will add to evidence that's out there on how place based interventions like this can work, what hopefully makes them effective, and allows us to to continue 
pushing forward the quality of what's done in this way and 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 keep strengthening it further great stuff so what seems to be a key theme from your Westland and Zone project is that you're really trying to intervene on trying to, you know, give right. give children and young people, you know, equal opportunities and, you know, increase equity in their outcomes. What other work are you doing at the moment that is trying to address some of the similar themes, particularly in the research centre of CPO? So as you mentioned at the start, one of my other projects on one of my other projects, I'm principal investigator of the COVID social mobility and opportunities study or COSMO uh, for short, which is a, a big new study that was funded initially by the uh, UK Research and Innovation COVID Rapid Response Fund to set up a, a new cohort study. And I may be wrong, but I suspect previous listeners to this podcast have heard quite a bit about the IOE's portfolio of cohort studies. But somewhere we don't have a cohort study is is for this current cohort whose educational experience has been so dramatically affected by COVID-19. So this is a, a, a new cohort study that has well, is in the process of recruiting hopefully around 12,000 young people from across England. It's young people who were in year 11 so kind of 15 16 last academic year before this one so what's that 2020 to 2021 and we are as I say in the process of recruiting and carrying out initial interviews with them and their parents in order to paint a picture of what life was like for them during COVID-19 and their background more generally as a, a baseline for coming back to them in future and continuing to understand about how their educational and labour market career develops over the the coming years helped everyone in the research and policy communities understand some of the particular challenges they have faced and hopefully be able to to suggest some things that can be done to to help tackle some of the potentially some of the unfairnesses that that have built up as a result of covid and you know more more wide socioeconomic inequalities too Really, really exciting. It'll be uh, it'll be great to see that work when it you know eventually comes through. And you know, indeed, the work that you've done with West London Zone it's it's a it's a huge feat working with so many partners and trying to answer these really complex questions. So, yeah, good luck. How about you, Asma? Yeah, I think the main project that's strongly related to the issue of inequalities is that I have started uh, in January is about pupil with the same outcomes during the pandemic. So the angle from the, for this project is to see, is to analyze to what extent this pandemic is like, has acted as a catalyst for inequalities that were already there, but has like exacerbated them and make them even more challenging for pupils who whose integration into the school system is already extremely difficult and challenging. So the, the aim of this project, which is still like at the very beginning, is to, to, to see to what extent the resources that pre-existing resources, pre-pandemic resources that have been allocated to pupil recent have an impact on how they face the pandemic itself. So for example, if in some areas, the, the, the resources for pupil recent were not enough, like then maybe what I'm trying to look at is to what extent the the experience of the pandemic was even more difficult for these pupils. So the interaction between pre-existing resources and the pandemic and the general aim of this project would be to identify more specifically the resources that are the most important for pupils recent in order to progress academically and emotion- and in general in their uh, school 
to have a better school experience in, in order to reduce these really big inequalities that exist between these pupils and the general school population. Exciting. So, yeah, you're really trying to understand the experiences of children with special education needs and disabilities and, you know, hopefully identify ways to move forwards and, you know, help these children continue to progress. So, Jake and Asma, it's been really interesting to talk with you and learning about all your different work and trying to reduce inequalities, both specifically in London and more broadly across the UK and globally. So thank you very much. I've really learned a lot and we've really enjoyed having you here. Thank you. Thanks so much, Laura. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Anders and Asma on at Asma Benhender to learn more about their research. Some of what we've covered today is also available in the episode notes. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to find out more, there's our archive of 13 past seasons available for you to listen to. Search IOE Podcast from wherever you get your podcasts to find more Research for the Real World episodes, as well as more podcasts from the IOE. I'm Dr Laura Uthwaite and thank you for listening. Search for the Real World is produced by IOE Marketing and Communications and IOE Research Development. The theme music was created by Rob Cochran. Tatiana Sotero-Diaz is the series advisor. Amy Leibowitz is the series producer. And Jason Ilagin is the executive producer of the IOE podcast. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this IOE podcast. 